Hello and welcome to this Building Blocks episode of Unpacking the Case, where I'm joined once again by our Head of Legal Training here at DJB, Richard Snape. Richard, would you mind starting off by telling me a bit of background on Spencer's case, which is what we're here to discuss? Yeah, it's the oldest case I ever mention, I think, in any courses I ever do. Uh, but again, significant to this day, and people don't always realise how significant it perhaps is, it's from 1583. Um, and uh, the background facts of it, I'm, I'm, like a lot of these you know, 16th, 17th century cases, all relevant to this day, but I'll do it on my own terms because there's a lot of sort of hey, nonny, nonny, and that kind of thing in relation to it, ye olde, such and such. But uh, Mr. and Mrs. Spencer, I don't think they were called such things in those days, but Mr. and Mrs. Spencer uh, granted a, a, a 21 year lease uh, to, we'll call them S. S would agree that they and their executors and administrators would um, build a brick wall on the land. And to, to cut a long story short, there was a series of assignments of this lease uh, eventually to uh, a Mr. Clark and the brick wall was never built. And um, the Spencers, the landlords, wanted to argue that um, this um, covenant, this obligation, this leasehold obligation passed with the land. And again, in my own terms, really, but this is the case that said that you know, leasehold covenants will pass with the land uh, if there are two requirements at the time. Firstly, there's got to be privity of estate which basically means there's a landlord and tenant relationship. Um, if you assign the lease, there's still a privity of estate between the landlord and the, the assignee. Um, if you sublet, there's no privity of estate, which still to this day again can cause problems. Um, but there's also got to be, in the old terms, they said that the covenants must be touching and concerning the land. They must basically be leasehold covenants. They're nothing to, you know, if they have nothing to do with the actual leasehold premises themselves, then they don't pass with the land. Um, but uh, this particular covenant touched and concerned the land, and so the covenants were binding on assignees. So, what kind of uh, covenants wouldn't touch and concern the land? Uh, yeah, the the obvious one, and there's been cases on it as well, um, is um, well, if it's an option to, to to renew a lease, that's a leasehold covenant that touches and concerns the land. If it's an option to purchase the freehold, that's not a leasehold covenant, and that wouldn't be binding on third party purchase uh, purchases assignees of the uh, the lease. So, what would be the situation if the landlord assigned the reversion? Yeah, well, that's uh, again a bit of history that uh, is still relevant to large numbers of leases to this day. I'm going to mention shortly and stress shortly what happened in 1996 to all these things. But um, the original provisions there go back even longer than uh, Spencer's case, the 1540 and the Grantees of Reversions Act, you might remember, uh, which was a important byproduct of uh, Henry VIII and the dissolution of the monasteries when all the monastic land passed to other people. Uh, the monasteries made major landlords prior to the dissolution and these uh, new landlords, the reversioners, wanted to take enforcement action. Uh, the Grantees of Reversion Act subsequently, through a series of uh, statutes, but eventually became sections 141 and 142 of the Law of Property Act 1925 and they basically say that uh, again, the reversioners uh, can take enforcement action and have enforcement, enforcement action against them. 
if the covenants have reference to the subject matter of a lease, it's basically the same as touching and concerning the land. So it's a very similar thing as long as they're leasehold covenants. You mentioned 1996. What happened then? Yeah, uh, it was the, the Landlord and Tenant Covenants Act of 1995 came into force, a major overhaul of all this. And the Covenants Act wasn't retrospective, so you know, it sort of very much depends. There's a huge number of leases that were created prior to 1996 that still come within basically the Roland Spencer's case and sections 141 and 142 of the Law of Property Act. But uh, uh, the Covenants Act itself, it mainly, uh, as people will appreciate, says that um, once you've gone through a lawful assignment of the lease, there's no longer privity of contract. Um, and so you can't sue the original tenants. You still can to this day for pre-1996 leases. That was um, detracted from, from quite, a, well, quite a way by the ability to have an authorised guarantee agreement as a condition of assignment. But uh, with that proviso, uh, there's no longer privity of contract. What Section 3 of the Landlord and Tenant Covenants Act said that uh, all leasehold covenants pass on an assignment of the lease or an assignment of the reversion unless you make them personal. So different from, you know, between pre-1996, from 1996 onwards, uh, if you don't like the idea of covenants passing in 1996 onwards leases, you make those covenants personal, otherwise they do pass. Richard, thank you so much. I think that's the perfect place to round this off. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on this Building Blocks episode of Unpacking the Case. 